Hey, hold on, bro. I'm, I'm doing a little podcast right now. I highly, I highly yeah. you. Look here, this how it's gonna go. I'm gonna do what the B say, do. You do what the DJ name say. And burn. Just to burn one down. Burn one and saute. If you ever try Gucci, then you might burn one. And I'ma burn one for you. Alright, welcome to the Burn One Podcast. You got your boy Rodney in here. You got your boy Too in this thing. And we have a very special guest in the building with us today. Very, very special. Miss Ayana Janae. How are you? I'm yeah. good. How you doing? I'm doing well. Long time no see. Man, since graduation, yeah? Yes. That's <laughs> five years ago? It's been a minute. Man, you out here doing big things. You're a star now. Is that what they call me? That's what I call you. Oh. I don't see you on TV and everything. Yeah, a little bit. For like five seconds, though. I was on TV for five seconds. Yeah, that's, that's, longer, that's longer than anybody else even had in the podcast. Hey, so. it's cool. That's famous. Thank you. I received that. Now, you have an EP out, mm-hmm. Unfinished Business, Indeed. which we've uh, we've given a few listens to multiple times. Yeah, I, I mean, hold on. Well, I'm going to finish that, but it's something like No, go ahead. Uh, well, first of all, we said we won't fail with the, uh, the social media roll call, so we're going to have to get that in real quick. Damn, you just fucking up, right? I know, right? Uh, so you're going to follow me. Yeah, so we're fucking up. Yeah, that's how we do. Damn. Alright, yeah, there we go. <laughs> so you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Apple Music Connect. That's at Agent Ocho 8. You feel me? I just dropped a little a little playlist for your head tops featuring our uh, very special guest on there. You can get it our very special guest at Oh. Twitter, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram at Ayana Janae. That's A Y A N N A J A H N E E. And make sure y'all go stream Unfinished Business on. Man, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, iTunes. What Every, you got? Everybody. You there. Yes. Oh, shit, there you go. Like, I am. Like, yeah. Trying, you know, trying. <laughs> so, shit, you heard it here first. So. The EP Unfinished Business, when I gave it a listen the first time through, I can, I like the message that you have in it, Thanks. in the first half of it. Um, where, like, did you get some of that inspiration? Um, specifically, if we're talking about the intro, um, mm-hmm. Become, um, I was kind of just listening to different uh, strings, and like, I found this beautiful video on uh, YouTube, actually. And this guy was playing the cello and the violin at the same time. Like, he had a loop going with the cello, and he had the violin going. And I was just sitting there like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. Like, well, how's he do something like that? I've seen a video of something like that when I was in, like, my uh, music studies class. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I've seen something like that. It's crazy. It'll blow your mind. Yeah, for real, for real. And I was so inspired, and at the time when I found that clip, I was searching for inspiration. And what I do, sometimes I... uh, Still do arts and crafts, y'all, because that's just whatever. It keeps you creative. Man, so I was doing the a collage book at the time, and I was finding different affirmations and um, different quotes that I felt like I needed at the time, just where I was at. And one of the pages said, become. And it had, like, the stars behind it, and, like, you could just tell it was the night sky, and I was like, mm, 
become. It hit you. Yeah. You felt that. What do we? Okay, that's a message. So <laughs> that's kind of where the inspiration came from. Just kind of the take on the YouTube video that I found. Just how it felt. You know, it was a warm feeling that I found. Um, and then the words just kind of came suddenly. You know, after finding that word. So. So you write all your own music, right? I do. No ghostwriters involved. No, I don't need those. those. That part. Right? You can say that again. Alright. So, I've been on you. Jesus. Since fourth grade. Since fourth grade. I know. Mm -hmm. A minute. You've been singing for a very long time. When did you start taking it, like, seriously? You know what's crazy? I feel like I always took art seriously because outside of you know just going to school my mother was a seamstress and also a singer as well and she would just constantly keep me in the theater and so I always had a love for the arts but my my goal was to be a veterinarian and have my own you know my own clinic and it was gonna have all types of levels but you know after after losing her and she was my biggest influence I just decided that that's the path that I wanted to take. I wanted to make sure that I avenge her in some way and continue to be the creative being that I am. And I think you're doing yeah. a very good job of that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. It's like, I can't say when I first heard about you because I've been known you, but when I first saw you on TV, nobody told me that you was going to be on The Voice. Same. And then I saw you. I know two people to slap up for that. I freaked out. Out when I saw you, I was like, I had to like take a double take because I wasn't sure if that was you. Oh, man. And then you go by Ayanna Janae, I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, okay. I was like, okay, she got an artistry going. <laughs> she didn't come out as falling for real. <laughs> How was that? How was that whole experience on the voice? Oh my goodness. Um, honestly, I met some of the greatest people in the world from being uh, on that show. And I mean, the amount of talent that you get to be around during that time of being on the show, it's, it's unreal. Because what you see is these people are bossed up where they from, uh -huh. but then they gotta come around the other people yeah. that's bossed up from right. other cities. You your name. And now you like, oh, you shoot. You don't really step your game. Absolutely. Um, and I, but the crazy part is being around that environment. Uh, some people can't handle that. You know, um, it gets tough, and you you decided that's not what you want. It's too much to handle. You know, kind of gives you anxiety a bit, I guess. And what is that kind of like? Because I mean, I'm sure like. In just a normal setting, you would probably try and network with a lot of people, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's a competition, a competition at the same time, so. You know what's so crazy? Nothing was for sure when we were there. You know, it was everything was up in the air when you were there, and um, you didn't know if you were going to be on that show until you actually auditioned and somebody turned around for you. Mm -hmm. So, the whole time you're rehearsing, you're doing interviews, you're doing wardrobe, all types of things, and really you're, you're pushed to to new limits and you have to figure out who you are at that time especially being around people that are more talented than you are but um i wasn't trying to be friends with nobody i'm not gonna lie i was kind of my head was kind of like i came here for a reason i've been yeah i've been praying i've been being focused 
You know what I'm saying? There was a whole different mindset. But then when you start being around people for a month and you sit down with them one time and they like, ah! And then they knocking on your door like, hey, you not sitting up in your room tonight. We going out. No! (laughs) No! But that's kind of good at the same time because I met so many great people. And at one point, it just wasn't even a competition for me. It was like, I made it on the team great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm grateful for that. And I was the last person on that entire season. So they, you have 100 people that uh, actually may or may not get to audition when you're brought back, you know, to L.A. for a month. But I don't know, y'all. It was, it was crazy. So, like, when you're on stage and you're singing mm-hmm. and you get the first celebrity to turn around on you, what does that feel like? Is that, like, do you... I don't know. If it was me, it would kind of throw me off. I'd be like, oh, shit, somebody. <laughs> like, funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Wait, you actually like it? Um, yeah, like, oh, hold it. And Christina Aguilera, of all fucking people. Man, uh, you know what? For the first 30 seconds, and you don't get that long to audition. You get, like, a minute. Yeah. Nothing happened. And so that- I was like... <laughs> Fuck it! And, and I remember opening my eyes, and I just see a light. And even I was still singing at the time, so it didn't even dawn on me what had happened. I just saw a light. And then when I was done, and she was like, "Woo!" I, it all just like clicked, and I was like, <laughs> crying, ugly cries. Okay, but I mean, it was. It was a moment I'll never forget, you know. That helps a lot, too, right? You get your exposure. You do. Did that help with anything uh, outside of the voice? You know, I think that achieving something like that was more for me, and I didn't even know or understand what a fan base was at the time, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I was kind of just like that person that used to watch the voice, and I'll be like, how do they even know how to do that? When did they find out about the audition? You know, I'm just sitting in my room like, damn, like I wish I could do that. And to be able to go through everything I went through and get on the show and, you know, be the very last person to land a spot, that itself was enough to me. And so, you know, they're telling you, stay consistent on your social media and make sure that you're doing stuff, keep up the momentum even when you're off the show. All that hype was not necessary to me. I was like, I don't even like to be on social media every day. What you mean, post a picture every day? You want me to take a picture of me stubbing my toe? You guys, kiss that. Like, no, I don't do all that. So, it was, you know, that was enough for me. So, I'm learning now about consistency. I'm learning now about um, keeping up the momentum for myself as an artist. But the, I guess the exposure was more for my city and for my people to show everyone around me, which at the time I didn't know, but now, you know, reflecting, um, it was to show my city, you know, we can do it. Whatever we put our minds to, we can do it, you know? And I've I've had people come up to me or reach out to me on social media that I didn't even realize remembered me, you know? And that in itself, them being proud and them seeing somebody from their city or seeing somebody they went to school with, that makes them proud and that's I mean, it makes me proud. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, just Thank like you. one of my other friends I got, like Jalen Ramsey, like just to see him doing all the stuff that he does for the city and just yeah. being as great as he is, like 
as soon as he is, like, it just makes me hella proud to have known him and have him be a friend. We need folks like Jalen Ramsey and like you to uplift the city because I feel like Nashville is not in a hole, but it's kind of undiscovered. It's like uncharted territory almost. I feel like it's a little bit of both, though. As far as... I don't want to say, like, I don't know if a hole, like you said, is the right word, but I feel like it's just something, like, in the city where nobody really believe in, like, the talent that we got. If it's not country. Yeah, yeah. And... I mean, for me, it's just kind of crazy to sit, because, like, sitting back, and, like, we've talked about this before, like, I know, like, a good amount of artists, and, or just not even, like, like maybe on a personal level, but just, like, I have a connection to them, like, somehow, mm-hmm. and to just see so much talent in the city, but, like, it's just so many people are sleeping on it, to me, in my opinion, because I think it's a lot of dope shit coming out of Nashville. Well, it only takes one person, I think. Yeah. It takes one person for the city to pop, and you're the closest to it. Thank you. I received that. Thank you. Thank you. No, and you know what? To touch on what you just said as well, I think what's happening is we're getting so many new people to move into Nashville, and they're trying to make it in Nashville, and now the people that are genuinely, like, born and raised, now we won't be recognized for running in, you know what I'm saying? Saying being from our city and representing our city Somebody else from another city gonna represent for our city because I mean they have the LA thing or they have the Atlanta thing or whatever. But it's like um, I'm gonna need y'all to dig a little deeper. Do you think Nashville has its own sound? Cause you you can hear the sound in Atlanta. You can hear the sound on the West Coast. Do you think Nashville has its own? I think that Nashville came with a stereotype. Of country, and I think that for so long that has been the sound of Nashville. Yeah. And now that we're growing, now there are different things that are coming out of Nashville, but I don't necessarily think we have a sound yet. Um, and I don't think that we need to. I just think that people need to continue to stay true to who they are and their art because. That's why a lot of people have made it out of Nashville because they are so unique, you know, and they're different from what people are expecting, even when you do something as common as country music or whatever, you know? So, yeah. So, keeping up with the creative process, you used to dabble in acting. Absolutely, yes. Do you still, from time to time? So, um, I just did a show uh, with Fisk University and I was Dorothy and the Wiz. Oh, shit. Okay. And not, not the Wiz or the Oz, but the, the Wiz. Wiz. The Wiz. The you Wiz. already know the Wiz. It's Fisk. They have to do the Wiz. Right. <laughs> with Diane Ross and Michael Jackson. You understand? So, um, it was scary, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I got the call to come in and audition, I think, a night or two before the auditions were going to happen. And I was like, come on, bro. Like, ah, like, I don't have enough time to, like, try to get back in my musical, you know, my musical theater state of mind because I've been on my artist grind for a minute. So, of course, going back to musical theater is like revisiting, like, something from your past. When was the last time that you had done, like, theater? Like, in high school? When I was in college. college. Yeah, my first, when I first got to Columbia College, Chicago in 2013, they were doing Hairspray. And I remember Do you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We did hairspray and it was like what twenty-four people in the cast and there were majority juniors and seniors because of course it was some of their last plays. Yeah. Um and they have seniority and the juniors were being trained to go into that. So 
And you made it. The freshman, the full freshman that made it, we they didn't like us. <laughs> they didn't oh, like us. Hey, over. It was the it was the main stage too, but that was the last thing I did. And that was in 2013. You made main stage freshman year. Yeah. That's huge. Man, I didn't think I was gonna get it either. I didn't think so. There was a little girl she was cute. I mean. You know what I'm saying? To but play the role. Good as you, though. I don't know about all that. But I was lying, so. <laughs> I don't know. I can remember the last time I saw you act, which is in high school. Oh my God. What was that? What was Rent. 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 Hey, that was that shit was that five. That was some yeah, shit for a high school play. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even no play type of nigga like that. Right? <laughs> just go to the place. See, you take the last person you expect to see in the theater now. I didn't even stand up and say that I went to see it twice too. What? That's crazy. Hey, that shit was hard. I had to. Even my nigga Gerber was in that shit. Gerber? Right. Oh, babyface ass nigga. That's why you call him Gerber. Okay. You feel me? You ain't have to get all of you feel me. That's lady with that. You feel me? That's my nigga. I don't even know the nigga that she's really talking about. Shout That's out to Gerber, whoever you, know you who may Gerber be. Is. You don't know who Gerber is? Brayden? You don't know Brayden? He was in Rent. Short black dude? I think no. Uh, that was Brendan. Mm. Uh, it's okay. Sorry, yeah, Gerber, uh, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you working on any new music? Okay. How'd they go? I mean, they laughed a little bit. 
Stage fright was a huge thing for me. Did, mm-hmm. Is that something you had to get over? Or I feel like you you have this presence that you kind of, I don't want to say you don't care, but you don't care what nobody's going to say. So it's like you step oh. up there and you do your thing. I think that's why I'm so grateful for musical theater because it teaches you from the get-go to be okay with embarrassing yourself and to take that extra step and go that extra mile that somebody else won't go because you'll inspire somebody. You might look, you might feel silly, but you just kind of, I don't know, you just kind of go with the flow of things. See, when I see your performances, whether it be on social media, YouTube, or anything mm-hmm. like that, you look like you have an amazing presence on stage. Thank so it's you. like you... I don't say, care. Even I remember, if I remember right, didn't you sing like in high school? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I was like, even back then, because I mean, we went to a pretty big school. Yeah. And, I mean, it was a lot you used to have assemblies and you would sing in them and. Yeah. You sang it. Yeah, you sang in graduation with the rest of the. Uh, the choir, absolutely. Yeah, yeah this. What were we? The Sophisticats? Something maybe? Like that. Something like that. Sound about right. That sounds kind of right. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> It's all good. But, um, yeah. And then we had that little ceremony that I feel like... Like, the one I remember was, like, the Black History Month. Oh. I do not remember that. Did I, I sing for Black History was, Month? I don't remember if that was you or Taylor, but I thought it was you, though. Mm. Wow. If I remember correctly, I'm not sure it was you. Like, so one thing I wanted to go back and touch on. So what do you? what is your favorite song from the... My favorite song. I know they're all probably your babies, but just <laughs> if you had to pick one to listen to consistently, mm-hmm. it would probably it would probably be unhealthy love. And as I speak, <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he got his here. Oh, yeah. Damn. Um. You said unhealthy love is your favorite? Unhealthy love is only because I just remember when I wrote it. I remember why I wrote it. I remember how yeah, it so felt. Let's the story then, I nah, like, oh, nah, nah. I need that. Because you feel me? I felt that. When that shit came on, I ain't gonna, I felt, I ain't gonna felt that it. shit, huh? That was the first one I went to. Because you feel me? I already had the star next to it. Right, it was just the sometimes when you just see the name of the song, mm-hmm. it, you can tell it's, it's gonna it's hit. Gonna get it's gonna hit. <laughs> so I was like, you know, let me just go and listen to this one first, real quick. You know what? No, I won't, <laughs> I won't give you all of that. But I, what was you gonna say? Uh, mind games. I fucked with that stuff. My yeah. favorite part about mind games is the switch up. Yes, right. Was that your idea? Yes. <laughs> That's tough. The boys <laughs> wanted me to change it. Why? I just, I, it was funny because that was my original idea. The way I wrote it, I was like, I'm talking about mind games. Now let's like. Make it intentional, like when people are listening to the music. Not only am I talking about a story of mind games, but now I'm playing mind games with you with the music. Right. You know what I'm saying? Slow it down with the mind games. You know? Let's Let's make it funky. Right. You know? Um, And whether you take that literally or whether you take that metaphorically, it's whatever, you know? I had that on replay like three or four times. I'm glad you like it. No problem. I mean, when I first heard, when I first saw that you had something on Apple Music, I automatically went to go listen to it because Amira has put me on to it. Yeah. She, shout out to Amira. Shout out to Amira because she is one of your biggest uh, supporters. I love you, Amira. <laughs> For sure. Every time she comes on the podcast, she says your name. So shout out to her. Shout out to and, her. And um, 
I forget my my thought. It's okay. Mind games. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And the switch up. You said that was your idea. Why didn't they want that on there? Um, I think that musically, because everything on the EP is live. There are no um really. Beats. Yeah. No. I I really wanted to do that. That was always my original thought when I first came out with anything. It had to be live because I want people that may not be able to experience it with me like when we go to on stage and when we go on tour eventually i want them to be able to feel it at home mm-hmm. you know what would it sound like when yeah. you're sitting at home without a beat you know just mm-hmm. coming and whatever but um i will say that there will be more beats and things of that nature on the next project i'll say that for y'all all right, all right. um <laughs> so yeah but that's i just think that musically it was a lot the transitions in the so studio was a lot. Um, the first arrangement and recording was up to par, so we rearranged. No, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It sounded like trash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the transitions were so bad that it was like, hell no like that's not what it sounds like when we rehearse it so i wanted it to sound like you know what i'm saying it had to be if we were going to do it we had to execute it so that people could understand what was going on you don't want to just hear a whole bunch of sounds and noises all over the place so that's why they didn't want it however i wasn't going to back down from my original thought so i was like y'all better just get it the fuck together and you know that's what they did thank you um but yes please and thank you um, but yeah, that's that's how that went down. You have any videos out for any of your songs yet? Not any music videos, no. Do you want to? You know what I do? I really do, but I think that I've held on to this particular project for so long, it took a lot to get to that point of releasing it. Um, but what I really wanted to make sure that I did was make sure that the quality and the music was there and that y'all just have material to listen to, period. And now that we've gotten so far, I'm ready to work on the next thing. Yeah. But what I will do is do my due diligence for this project because it is my baby. And I will probably put out a couple of videos. I won't. I don't know when. But in due time, I feel like I'll have a couple of things for y'all to look at in regards to the EP. Now, as far as your performances and shows, like, have you had a bad experience with an audience? Or do most of your shows go well? You know, I've only, like, had five shows in Nashville, which is so funny to think about, as I am today, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done the Five Spot, I've done BB King's, I've done um, the Basement, the Back Corner, and then Cobra Nashville. Shout out to the Basement. Shout out to the Basement. New Faces? That was, that was turnt, you know? Um, but, <laughs> I'm here saying yes, but, um... <laughs> It was, um, I've never had a bad reaction from a crowd, which is so surprising because you expect like, and, and don't get me wrong, as, as many people that come up to me and tell me that they liked it and enjoyed it or whatever, I'm pretty sure there are a few people that come, thank you, that come and don't enjoy it, but they don't tell me that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, where have you performed outside of Nashville? Outside of Nashville? Really nowhere, because to be honest, y'all, like, this is me really getting started. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, and I haven't been doing a whole lot or been been too vocal on social media or anything like that because I'm really working on perfecting my craft so that I can take it farther than just a hit yeah. single or just gig in the same places. You want longevity. Absolutely. And so I'm not just going to put out material that doesn't have quality. You know what I'm saying? Um and I think that for a long time, people would come up to me after seeing me on the show. Do you have music on SoundCloud? Did, you know, mm-hmm. and I could have a long time ago. Some of the music that that's actually on the EP, y'all could have had it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But I was never satisfied with the way it was either recorded. I didn't. I wasn't satisfied with the way I sounded. I wasn't gonna settle. So. I always, yeah, you can't. And I always, in my mind, even when I was in Chicago, because that's when everything really started for me to focus on my music, I was like, I really wanted to be a live sound and I really want to be able to do it in a studio. Like, I really wanted to do it in a studio. And I was so grateful for the people that were willing to work with me in Chicago that brought me to the studio with them, but it was just never what I heard in my mind. So I was patient and I waited my turn, damn it. And then I've heard I've heard that that saying before that it's not what you hear in your head from musicians. Like, so what is it? How long does it usually take for what is in your head mm-hmm. to, come, to to life. come to life? Because it's like you're hearing sounds that you can't find, yeah, or it's so like you're a perfectionist. yeah. So I know you're not gonna let anything drop until it's hundred percent. Yeah. Ready. Even if I gotta come back and be like, y'all said the ball, but it's gonna be winner. <laughs> they bullshit. Nah, but uh, they gonna wait. Y'all got video to do, but uh, um, you know, you never know until you hear it. And I can tell y'all the first time I got like the rough cuts from Blackbird. I was jumping up and down in my bed because it was the closest I'd ever heard to it being what I. There were still imperfections, absolutely. There were still imperfections in it, but that's because we were just at the beginning stages of recording. So what really had to happen, I had to give examples to the boys. We would have rehearsals. We would rehearse, you know, twice a week, even when we didn't have no shows. We were just rehearsing. And then we got a show, and that's what we were rehearsing for and rehearsing towards. And then after that, we immediately got in the studio because somebody approached me at that show at the basement. Um, actually, Jerry Valenti, thank you so much. Uh, he was a part of the Blackbird Academy at the time and needed an artist to really come and help him with a project that he was doing for Blackbird Academy. And I was like, sure, I'll do a couple of songs for you. And then through that, it was like, would you like to finish it? Do I want to finish? We're not going to have that debate on fire. But, uh... Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to finish. So, we did, but it took that time in rehearsal and for me to give examples to the boys. Like, you know, for my games, going back to that, when we sped it up, it we speed it up, but it has that, like, that Spanish yeah, vibe, You know yeah. what I'm saying? So that, and I had to, like, give examples, and I had to kind of guide them through it but they are so they were so good you know during that time that it really worked itself out and so bringing it to the studio it just kind of amped it up even more and especially it being at Blackbird Studios you know they got the best equipment and the most beautiful you know what I'm saying like that establishment is gorgeous and to be able to do my very first project ever in that studio 
it was a blessing, you know. That, that is a blessing. It was, it was a blessing. And it because I manifested it back then and I waited and I didn't settle. Right. I was able to come back home and experience being on T V and coming back and being hurt and crushed that I was off the show and then being like I gotta get back up. I gotta do something better. You know, I gotta go harder. So that's the blessing that came from that. So if you could you spoke on you being in Chicago for a while, could you just tell us a little bit what brought you back home? You know what's really funny? I my sophomore year, I knew I was done. I just knew it, but because I was there, and I never really came home for summer break. Mm-hmm. You know, I would always find a way to stay in Chicago so that I could be grown, kind of. Right. <laughs> you but, to you know what I'm saying? Right. I wanted <laughs> to stay in Chicago with the friends that did stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but after my sophomore year, and I made a grade for everybody, mm-hmm. from, from the overachievers to the ones that didn't show up to class, I made a grade for everybody. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I don't know if I'm supposed to stay in school. So then I ended up moving into an apartment um, in Chicago, and I stayed there for the summer. And I just kept looking around. Y'all, it was a studio apartment, and I just kept looking around like, this is not what God wants for me. It was hot in there. It was one room. I was like, yeah, it's little and it's got weird smells and I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to do all that. And I, and I just knew it. I just knew it. And I had an air, like literally an air mattress bed and I was living my best hippie life and I didn't care. Yeah. It was, it was real, but being there during that time where I didn't have to be in class and it was just a lot of spending that time with myself mm-hmm. and that's when you really get to know yourself and really get to grow I was like this is not what God wants for me I'm gonna go home for a little bit and I ended up going to LA now I don't know what the hell I thought was gonna happen when I went to LA for the first time but I started building my portfolio or whatever I had <laughs> I was ready to talk to whoever you know I was yes look me I realized like as the days went on of me being in LA, nothing happened. So I was like, all right, cool, you know, it's just whatever. So then I was advised randomly, um, you should submit something to the voice. So you should audition for the voice. Was this while you were in California? Yes. And I was like, been there, done that, because I honestly had already auditioned for The Voice twice, and I, I was going to audition for American Idol, but I had a, already a previous engagement that I had to honor, and I had to leave, and I couldn't audition for American Idol. But I had already been denied by The Voice twice, and I was like, I'm not standing in nobody's 14-hour long, long, you know, long-ass lines. I don't want to do that no more. I was like, I'm good on that. But something just told me to be diligent, and I and I got back home from LA to Nashville and submitted online. Like I just submitted my video of me singing. <laughs> I said, "There's an option to not stand this one." <laughs> Yo, completely forgot about it. And one day I'm just watching SpongeBob eating Cheerios, and I get an email <laughs> talking about you want to come in for a private audition. You damn right, you know. So I don't know. Where was I going with that? Uh, you're talking about how, well, you went out to L.A., huh? I, what brought you back home? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, basically, that, that is what brought me back home because we went out to L.A., and I thought my life was going to change, and it didn't. And then I was advised to, you know, audition for The Voice, came back home, uh, submitted something, and then I forgot about it, came back, had that email, and then that part of my life took up a few months that I would have initially been going back to school. Mm-hmm. And so... That's a good alternate. Yeah. I wasn't going to go back to school. <laughs> Y'all get my ass. So... <laughs> Yeah, and it was it was different because it would technically be school because I was going to school for vocal performance with a minor of business and entrepreneurship and what better way to honor that. Morning. Yeah, what better way to honor that than being around people in the industry and also singing and working towards right. going to the next level. Right. That's what the hell I did. So <laughs> got to LA and I was there for so long and I actually got on the show that it just took me away from that whole mindset of being yes. back in school. Yeah. And once I was so broken down to the point where I did have to start scrapbooking and praying and and writing affirmations down and building myself back up from being so what you feel like is so close to what you want, you know, mm-hmm. and then having it taken away from you in an instant, it's like unreal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for some people, they, that's, that's what happens to them and they're done. Yeah, that's the end of the story. And for me... One day I was like, fuck that. I'm finna get a band going. I'm finna book photo shoots. I'm finna take everything that I've learned and everything I'm watching all my counterparts do, and I'm finna go with that, and I'm finna make my own, you know, happen for myself. So that's what I've been doing for the past two years, two, three years. I think you've been doing a pretty damn good job at it. Thank you. I see your face, like, everywhere. Do you really? On social media. I do. Because I follow a lot of singers. Okay. I follow bands. I follow Bella. I follow, you know. Absolutely. Me and, me and Van were roommates. For like really? A year back in MTSU. Well, here at MTSU. Okay. Yeah, so how do you know Van? How did I meet Van? I, I have, have to Van. ask everyone that question because somehow know? everyone knows Van. And I don't. I mean, shout out to Van. We had to get him on the show, but. Van is way more famous than I am. <laughs> man, it's way more famous than me. Look, I knew that nigga was famous when I was living with that man. I, he would never be home. The only, only time he was home is when like a thousand other people were also at that. <laughs> Don't you love it? Van is great. And you know what? To be completely honest, I think my first time meeting Van was at a show that he did um, ooh, about a year or two ago when I first met Sorbo, actually. It's crazy because Dro, who plays Keys, shout out to Dro. Shout out to Dro. AKA Tina. Um, and. Aaron Newman actually played for Van. And I'm like, who is this young fellow using my voice? And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out what the hell going on. So, I go and I'm like, damn. Dude got the whole club popping. So, I was like, okay, let me go introduce myself to Van since everybody in that bitch was turned. So, yeah, from that point on, like, he comes back down to Nashville and kicks a withdrawal. And so we, we tend to link up at times. And we just went to Atlanta not too long ago and we saw him there. So, Ben is a good people's. He's good people's. And I sang back up for him um, at, was it Mercy? Really? For the, yeah, for the Rihanna okay. show. Is there anyone that you would like to collab with? 
Tom Brady is going to be out there standing for the fucking national anthem. But let's say Tom Brady decides like, to say fuck this shit. I ain't, I'm about to get yeah. my ass in the locker room. Then they'll, I feel like they'll like throw that rule out of the way. Absolutely. Because it's Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. All right. They only have an issue with the black players. And I think, yeah, like you said, it's just masking the problem. Absolutely. It's not solving anything. And the whole uproar, they don't really have a problem with people kneeling, for, kneeling at they the could. flag. No one has an actual problem with that. They have a problem with black players doing it. Let's be honest. Because if it was uh, J.J. Watt, Julian Edelman, Aaron Rodgers, the list goes yeah, on, white guys... They could sit their happy ass down during the national anthem, and no one would say anything. You know what's crazy? Because there are, there are politics and everything. And I think mm-hmm. that coming from a conversation I heard a Caucasian man have, he was basically like, "You know, I just want to go home, drink a beer, and watch football." You can do that. The anthem is literally a minute long. No one even wants to watch the anthem. But you know what? I think it's the act of somebody standing up for something different outside of what they're there for. That's fucking it up. Then they're just like, now you're taking away from my quality fucking football time. And it's like, no. And it's like they want to be outraged, but there's no, you don't have to be outraged. You don't. No. You don't. No one cares. About the national anthem, if we're being quite frank about it. I mean, like you, like you said, it's a lot of politics with it. With the national anthem, they weren't always doing that. That wasn't always a thing. That mm-hmm. even I don't think even in the NBA or any of the national sports leagues for that matter, I don't think any of them for a long time had players come out for the national anthem. Like yeah, it was done. Like a someone would come out and sing the national anthem to the crowd. Right. The players weren't supposed to, or not supposed to, but players weren't out there on the field for that. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't until. They signed a deal with the USO where they had players come out and then they gonna stretch the big ass flag across the field. Now they're obligated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now there's money in it. And that's really all it is. See, what I don't understand is how veterans can come out and say that they have no problem with what the players are doing. Hmm. And you still have these I don't The people to... that own the team though. The people that own the teams. Mm-hmm. I don't see yeah, what, they... really what money though? What money are you losing? Just because people say people aren't, they're not gonna stop watching football. They're not. Hands down, they won't. They won't. You can. But I feel like the biggest. The line, no, I feel like the biggest thing. If you, if it was me, and I know this probably won't happen. I just wouldn't tell about the national anthem. Mm, let's just get to the game if that's what the fuck y'all want to do. Cause that's what the fuck I want to do. They don't show the national anthem in most NBA games. Most NFL games during the regular season, they might not show it. So here's, so here's your other option instead of just sitting in the locker room. Just don't fucking film the damn national anthem. Right. We don't need it. No one cares. Half the time, y'all bring out motherfuckers that can't sing the shit no ways. Uh-huh. I mean, shit. Yeah. So ain't nothing being honest. <laughs> so ain't nothing. Ain't no integrity in the shit. There's, there's no integrity. It's, it's crazy because football is one of the least like, I wouldn't say least respected sports, but, like, there's no integrity in football no. anymore. Mm-hmm. Niggas will hit you in the head and ruin your life for fun. I mean, we see what you <laughs> did. What'd he do? You oh, yeah, when he, like, he just elbowed a nigga in his head for You're what? Lying. No for no reason. And, yeah. and he didn't get fined, he didn't get suspended, get nothing suspended. like that. That's like, ridiculous. But, you know, he played for Patriots. Mm. So, you know. And he's white. Congratulations. <laughs> right? 
for freeing me. He didn't free me, but I don't know if he freed me, but uh, he he had some some part to do with that, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, have you heard any of Meek Mill's uh, interview no. since he came out? But you know what, y'all, in the midst of all this shit that is fucked up and that's going on, that is something we can celebrate, me being out. That is a celebration, y'all. And I think that one of the things that I did hear him say, you know, it was bigger than just somebody putting up some bread because he said Jay easily easily could have done that. Mm -hmm. And he would have been out. But it was the fact that a system from his childhood is following him into his adulthood and he's right. making more money than half the motherfuckers arresting him. Exactly. So, why are we still mad about the shit I did when I was 16 years old? Right. So that's, that's why, why it's... Was a, being true on top of that. Hey, it, right. For no reason should someone be on probation for 10 years. None. I don't think so. I feel like, if, I feel like the max amount... Because what can you learn in 10 years that you couldn't have learned in 5 years on probation? Maybe. I mean, I don't know, but shit, all I'm saying is, like, if a nigga really pointed a gun at a policeman, is he really finna, in Philadelphia at that, a nigga in Philadelphia pointed a loaded gun at, at a policeman, is that nigga gonna live? Mm-mm. No, but I mean, that's what they said happened. They set him up. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we know the whole situation. They set him up, said uh, he pointed the gun at him, but Meek Mill had all the scars in the world to prove that he hadn't done anything. He was strapped, but I mean, he's in Philly. He lame. So, yeah. I feel like it's just a system that's just set up to keep people in fucked up situations. In bondage. I mean, it is. You know, if we can't, if... If punishment is not going to be equal for all people, whether they be any color from the hue of orange to the hue of blue, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It should be equal across. It should be equal across the board. Oh, across the board. And if it's not, then we still going to be like Black Lives Matter. It's crazy how I haven't been hearing Black Lives Matter as much as I used to. Because but I mean, it, all, it always will be a thing. It will be a thing. <laughs> and, and people, a lot of people don't think that it should be and I think that you know ignorance is bliss and we have to understand that a lot of people genuinely don't know what's going on in the lives of black people and don't mm. want to know don't want don't to know, know don't want to know or have been so um so either conditioned or they're so removed from the rest of the world outside of their picket you know what I'm saying they don't know what's going on if they can go outside every day and do the same shit without thinking about it, you know what I'm saying? And even do some fucked up shit and not think about getting in trouble yeah. because it can be covered up because I'm living my life. I don't see nothing else that's going on outside of the world. That's real. That's real. And we, it sucks because a lot of people like that, we want them to understand what's going on, but those are the same people that are like, racism is not a thing anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But it is. But they don't know that because they, they're not around that. They think... I- I think they think racism racism is so like clean cut. Like yeah. racism is only you call me a nigger. Yeah, it's really black and white. Yeah, it's really black and white. It's, really it's so it's subtle. Absolutely. Racism is very subtle. Or it can Absolutely. be. Out here it is. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen a lot of black racism too. Speaking of, was there a? Did you like see a disconnect? Well, not a disconnect. A difference between the racism down here in the south or oh, to what you saw in Chicago. Yo, I'm so glad that you asked me. There, There is not enough black love 
in the South, probably. Um, and specifically growing up in Nashville, you know, my mother wanted me to go to private schools and all of that. So, so there was a way to do and a way to be certain things. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was a way to kind of move up in your life in my mother's eyes. And so she wanted me to be around that. She wanted me to go to the best school. She wanted me to be around different people and experience different cultures. And she would take me to open houses. That Those houses were probably million-dollar houses that we couldn't afford, but she still wanted me to go look at stuff. You got to plant the seed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she's like, this is what you can have, and I'm going to show you the little nuances that you got to take and do to get there. Um, but, you know, I wasn't able to appreciate myself as a black woman until I got to Chicago. Really? Like, and I didn't realize that I wasn't appreciating and celebrating my blackness until I got somewhere where they were openly celebrating their blackness. And that shit blew my mind. I was (laughs) like, wait a minute. You mean there are brothers that will come up and address you as, you know, and have more to talk about than just sex and want more than just sex? You know what I'm saying? Like, and the women carried themselves differently specifically the black women they were very proud and they were very just bold and granted some of my basic chicago experiences weren't necessarily with women from chicago but the women from chicago were definitely with the shit you know and i was blessed because i had a friend from dc you know what i'm saying and she's a whole different kind of black woman you know she got you know she got something about her but then to bring it and to integrate that and be around women from Chicago and then to be around her as well, shout out to Lex. Um, you know, it was it was beautiful to me. And it helped me to grow as a black woman. Not just as a woman, but as a black woman. And I think that we just are not taught to celebrate our blackness, whether you be male or female in Nashville, period. Yeah. No, not really. That's a fact. I mean, what do we do? What do we do to celebrate ourselves? We have the African Street Festival where you can pretend to be so woke for like three days because you bought you some oils and uh uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> and you wear your dashiki the first time in like five years, bro. Got your phone okay calling you a whole pro Come on. You know when it. Dancing your dashiki and some other shit and you really feeling woke, but um... <laughs> Nah, like that's really all we all we do. The Nationalists have the African Street Festival, which is amazing. Yeah. Ir- in spite of what I just said, it's still amazing to go to because you get to see, you know. And I think it's kind of crazy that Nationalists like that because to me, whenever I go outside of Tennessee, or not even just Tennessee, like just outside of Nashville, TSU is always looked at one of like the more respected. HBCUs. HBCUs, but mm-hmm. in Nashville, nobody wants nobody to like. Cause I can remember vividly like being a senior, and like I might fucking like I might fail a test or some shit, and I come home and like my parents see the grades and like, oh, you want to end up at TSU? Damn. Not and I mean you know I didn't even think nothing twice about the shit, and it's just like crazy. Like damn, like once I got to MTSU and having had all these you know things that I've been through now. I'd be like, damn, I kind of wish I would have went to fucking TSU. I always think I wish I would have went to an HBCU. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, I, that just kind of blows my mind now in Nashville where you got one of the like more notable and 
predominant like mm-hmm. you know HBCUs and like people just don't give a shit about it. No. Nah, I mean with me, I grew up down street from TSU. I never wanted to go. No. I think that's part of it because I mean every like. As long as to stay at home, yeah, but I mean I, stay at home. I went down the fucking street. I might as well went to TSU. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I just said a fist at one point. Me too. And I, I considered fist. fist. I couldn't do it. I was told not to. See, I was I was trying to play ball, so. I didn't want to stay in Nashville. And see, that was my whole thing. I was like, I really didn't want to even be in Tennessee, period. Neither did I, but out of state tuition ain't. It's just something. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Unless I'm going to WKU or some shit. I like was only that. gone two years. Stupid. Stupid. Hey, once I leave school, the niggas ain't getting nothing from me. Not for a while. <laughs> not yeah, for a while. You're not going to default on my shit already. They're going to have to wait till I get some. They it's have to real wait till they're going to get the cracking and then I might drop y'all. Maybe. Possibly. Y'all ain't really teaching me shit, sweet. I feel like I owe y'all shit. But to piggyback on what you said, uh, not wanting to be at TSU, I think it was like almost a little bit of ignorance on our part because shit. I know with me, I saw TSU lose their accreditation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that did have a thing. That had a huge thing to do about it, but they got it back. But then... It's like, I've been to TSU too many times in my life. I might as well have already went to TSU. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I wanted to see something new. And, that, and to be honest with you, I knew of other um, other HBCUs. A lot of them are private. Not all of them. The one I wanted to go to was private. I wanted to go to Clark. And okay, I wanted yeah. to go over there. But um, TSU just didn't seem like the place to be. Mm-hmm. It it. it Seemed run down. It seemed old. Everybody's mom and daddy went to TSU. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, but why is that something that I well, feel like it's looked down upon? Because a lot of people, not a lot of people. I say with my parents, they didn't graduate college, mm-hmm. so they went to TSU. They didn't finish. They stayed in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are from Nashville, so they. It's kind of like they got stuck in a rut, which a lot of people do when they go to college and they drop out. They stay in the city that they went to, mm-hmm. and that was just a connotation to TSU. On top of homecoming, on top of the family I had that went to TSU. Homecoming is not the best representation of us yeah. half the time, which is probably a good reason why it was like, yeah, we see all these old heads out here clowning in written vehicles that they know they can't even pay their rent now. Right, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, I don't want to be a part of any of this flexing, flexy ass shit. And they old, you know what yeah, I'm saying? That's like, right oh, flake cutlass come on. Shit. And it's like, this is not a good representation of what it used to be. Show us what it used to be, and then we can maybe consider making it the way it was. Right. But if y'all just gonna show us some continuous fuck shit, then we just gonna... Yeah, we can go do the fuck yeah. shit. I can do the fuck shit anywhere else. Anywhere like, I want to. I don't want to do it at home. Absolutely not. Too close. And if I was to go to TSU, I would have been staying at home. I wouldn't stay mm. on campus, because that would have been pointless as hell. Yeah. You wouldn't have been able to live. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's true. So I had to leave. Yeah. But it's not like I went too far. I'm 30 months away. Hey, far enough. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd much rather have gone to an HBCU, though. That's crazy. I feel like I went to an art school, and in some ways, I do agree with you. I think that my school, however, was so divided. It wasn't like a campus. You know how we think in a college and we think in campus. Like, it's so immersive in the city. Mm, yeah, I mean, there were classes that could be 
you know, five minutes from you or 15 minutes from you. You know what I'm saying? There's one building that, damn it, you want to drive or take the bus because it's that far. Like, and sometimes you would, especially with it being so cold, you would walk up all the way from my building was on Wabash. See, and I had a big old bubble coat and I'm little. I'm like, trying to do this now. But, nah, like, you would take, you would walk straight up. And it was a good little five, ten minute walk. And then you would wait at the bus stop and it would take you all the way up. So there wasn't a sense of community necessarily. You have to kind of find it for yourself within the school that I went to. But what I could appreciate was the different type of people that were there. The different kind of people I got to experience. And it wasn't just one thing. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like I grew up like that anyways. So I'm kind of used to having an environment where we can have open discussions even like this with there being everybody in the room, Asian, Puerto Rican, whatever. Yeah. Um, and it might be uncomfortable, but at least we're having a conversation. Yeah. You sure. know? Absolutely. I think I started having those conversations at Hillsborough because Hillsborough was the first time I ever had been around so many different people from so many different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Cause see, I guess that's... See, and... I never been. Yeah. I before I went to Hillsboro, I don't even think I'd been to Green Hills more than five times in my life. Are you serious? Dead ass. I'm from Al North. And that's a whole new world. That's a whole new world. New cars, new money, new everything. Mm-hmm. So like how your mom would take you to those open houses mm-hmm. and that plant that seed. I feel like going to Hillsboro planted that seed in me mm-hmm. to say that it is possible to obtain mm-hmm. all of this shit. I'm just not around it. Right. It's a world outside of your own. Yeah. Which is going back to what I said earlier about people literally being oblivious to the things that are going on in our community. Mm-hmm. Their, their world is completely different from ours and completely different from even other people around them. Mm-hmm. And so it takes it takes to being put in an environment to understand and see what's going on. Yeah, they don't know, yeah people from a higher community have no clue what's going on. Like, I remember when I was at Hills. I really don't know if I can just honestly sit back and say that because, like, when you look at how the city is being gentrified, like, how can... That's now. I'm talking about the natural I grew up. I understand that, but those are the... I mean, well, I ain't going to say all of them, but it's a good majority of people from Nashville that are taking place in that gentrification. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's not like they've just been completely oblivious. Like, they've obviously been plotting on this area for a good amount of time now. So... I'm glad I own my property in my gentrified neighborhood and they ain't getting shit. I remember five years ago, white people didn't even know what Metro Center was. Man. You tell them I live uh, over by Metro Center. Where? Where? Where's that? You tell them you live close to Germantown. I love Germantown! Oh my, I love Germantown. <laughs> like it's right down the street from Metro Center. How the fuck do you not know what I'm talking about? Because it's literally a little street. It's literally Garfield Stars. Yeah. All of yeah, yeah. All they're expanding of that too. Oh, they are. Yeah. Disgusting. It yeah. is. Oh, oh my goodness, it makes me laugh. Have you been to the National Art District yet? Not the Art District. Where is that? Where is that? No, you're not. not the Art District. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go to the Art District. I swear to God, yes. I went to Slim Huskies like maybe a month ago. That's not the Art District. I went to, to Slim Huskies like a month ago. And I'm talking about up on the little street pole. They got new street poles and everything with the little yeah. signs. Yeah. National Art Art District. Since when? What art is that? Baby, what? What? Nah, what y'all. Seen a <laughs> Take it one step further. I'm vegan now, but there's a vegan restaurant in North Nashville. What? Take it one step further. Shout out to Southern V because y'all got some bomb ass. <laughs> 
But yes, that's how deep it has gotten. There are vegan spots in North Nashville. There's one. North Nasty. North Nasty got a vegan spot and it's called Southern Bee and it's real good. <laughs> like, I can't, yo. I, I, can't, I can't fuck with that. I cannot fuck no. with that. No. I can't fuck with North Nashville getting gentrified. Uh, it was gonna happen. East Nashville was East Nashville taken was by force. Oh. <laughs> they treated East Nashville like so a bitch. Crazy. That was so crazy. Like, that, that shit, shit happened not, like in a year. Not even, I don't think. It felt like that shit happened so fast. Let's believe they're building even more. It's going to be crazy. They're going to try to make... What I see Nashville turning into, I feel like if literally... Literally, I'm sorry, y'all. Atlanta and L.A. had a baby, it would be Nashville. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to create some fuck shit. They are. And like, it's just too crowded. It is. We live a so... Yeah, we live a slow-paced, country-ass life, you know what I'm saying? We don't like traffic. No, we don't like traffic at 2 p.m. Because everybody is in one location. This is how you know Nashville's getting fucked up. When you see people at, like, school hours or church hours, or you know what I'm saying? You're like, why is there traffic? What are y'all doing? Right. It's way too many people here now. And I mean, they're trying to build this. somewhere at, like, 10 in the morning. Oh, my. Why? <laughs> Where are people coming? Could we not? It's cool, though. It's cool. Yeah, that's cool, though. That's just some more fans to come into the city. I already know. Speaking of fans coming into the city, the NFL is holding a draft here. Oh, my gosh. That's going to be lit. That's going to be the city up. That's going to be... Y'all not getting nowhere. Yes. Yeah. Way bigger. You know how many people came to just see the niggas unveil some slightly tweaked jerseys? (laughs) (laughs) 20,000 motherfuckers showed up. To see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. they want to hold the draft on uh, by the riverfront. Yeah, I figured that's where it would be somewhere over there. So you got to shut down Broadway for three days. No way. Nah. No. I don't think you. The draft is three I days. I think the draft is three days, but I don't think you have to shut Broadway down. Probably two. Probably like the lower half of Broadway. Yeah. That's the lower half of Broadway. I think you, because I saw I was watching the draft this year. A lot of people go to the draft who have no business. And it's normally in Chicago. Yeah, it was in... Uh, it was in Chicago, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. I think they just now started, like, yeah. around. They said they had it in New York for, like, nine years. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, it was usually at New York. And then it went to Chicago, Chicago, somewhere else, then they did Dallas this year. Hmm. And now Nashville, of all cities. They did Philadelphia that one year. One that's right. Years. So I think that's when I don't think Nashville is ready to be this big. No. Uh, Not the people actually from Nashville, no. no. And you can't even fucking tell. I think it's more infrastructure than anything else. Like, have you seen what they well what they proposed? Yeah, with the transit. That shit got shot down. Thank God. Because that light rail is not gonna do it. No. I've seen places that have light rails and. Like, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Nashville don't need that. No. We're not built for that kind of thing. Nashville is one fat-ass circle. It might take you through some different loops, but it's one fat-ass circle. Right. And... We were to have a transit system like that, it should have already been in place. That's what I'm saying. They waited way too long. I feel like... I don't think they expected Nashville to to grow like this. At all. No, I don't think so either. I feel like if they're, like, the best... Probably the best case with the transit plan, I think, would just be to, like, expand the, like, more buses. 
That would make sense. Because the train, the train that they had proposed wasn't even gonna go five miles outside of Nashville. They gotta fuck up. What's the fucking point? Yeah, what's the point? Who I might as well sit in traffic. Right. You gonna take me to Antioch? There's about to be a Slim and Huskies in Antioch. Yeah, I saw that. And it's gonna be, a, I think it's gonna be a cookout in Antioch too. There isn't already. Nah. That's a little weird. That is weird. I know, right? I feel like they'll put a cookout anywhere. Right. Fuck it. They all eating. Here goes cookout. <laughs> pay five dollars for a tray. You go. They got one in uh, what Inglewood. They got one. Two uh, stick out that way. Yeah, because would you it's count? Like on the same street, ain't it? Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it's like down. Oh, down. Yeah, Yo, West End. I didn't even figure out what the fuck cookout was, so I got a beer. There's one out by Rivergate, too. Yeah. Two out by Rivergate, actually. There's one by the Walmart in Rivergate. And there's one like right, right by the mall. Did y'all say the one on West What song would you like us to use as we 
as we go out. I got your shit. <laughs> All right, we it's the Burn One Podcast. And I'm a burn one for you. Still the reason why my heart sings